Welcome to the Far Post Perth podcast in association with the Daily Football Show. My name is Neil Sherwin and I'm joined around the table tonight by Donna Jaffray and Blaine Treadgold to discuss a Perth Glory win from Saturday night and the other goings-on in the Hyundai A-League. Guys, how are we doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Can't complain. Blaine? It's a good day to be an Aussie Neil if you're a cricket fan. I know which I'm not a cricket fan. Could not fan. care less um, that there was cricket played in Perth. Um, what I could care about, though, is uh, Saturday night's game, and we're going to be joined by Perk Glory defender Shane Lowry in the second part of the podcast to uh, to discuss that one. We'll give our thoughts on the game before we get to Shane. Um, we sat together for most of the game on Saturday night. Uh, Donna, our comments in the first half, uh, and they were backed up by by Glory midfielder Andreu after the game, was, it was probably the most boring half of football I've ever witnessed. It was very boring. It was stale. The team didn't gel. I, I don't actually know what was going on. It was just yeah, very, very boring to watch that. I was more entertained with what was going on the sidelines opposed to what was going out on the pitch. Yeah, the um, there was only one shot, total shot on target in the first half, and that was from the Wellington Phoenix, a volley from Ali Abbas that Liam Reddy comfortably dealt with. That's how few shots there were. I can remember exactly the one shot that there was. Um, Blaine... It it wasn't inspiring. Um, there was a lot of talk beforehand about crowd attendances and uh, and everything else. Um, there was Wildcats game during the day. People had Christmas parties. People couldn't be bothered going out because it might have rained. All sorts of excuses. Uh, but that sort of fo- sort of game, it, it's difficult to um, difficult to get behind, even as a football fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've seen in the past that Perth generally, especially if we've come from a little bit of a lean time, that Perth needs a a bit of a run of results to kind of get the get the uh, fans back in um, on a consistent basis, and it's kind of started to slide after the Melbourne victory match. Um, I think we dropped down to about eight thousand, and then we dropped another thousand on the weekend. So, yeah, no, it wasn't too inspiring, and it is that time of year that it is a bit difficult. I mean, as you said, you got the Wildcats, you had the cricket on, you had Christmas parties, and and all kinds of festive activities going on. So, I mean. It, it's really where the um, the league um, and the and the clubs um, need to do that just that little bit more to try and get people in through the gates. Yeah, the official crowd given was seven thousand seven hundred and fifty, which to me looked a little bit generous. Um, but as you say, that the, the initiative needs to be there, and we do have the uh, summer of football coming up, and there's going to be kids go free games in Perth. There's going to be two A-League games and two W-League games, so the, the A-League fixtures will be the next two, uh, Adelaide United on January 5th and Melbourne City on January 9th. And then there's uh, there's just two W-League games as well um, against Sydney FC, and I can't remember who the other one is, but it's in there anyway. So four games where you can bring the kids for free over the holidays. It's it's league-wide, so it's, it's an initiative that's taken place in the other cities as well. Hopefully that will give a bit of a boost 
Um, but but Donna, we, we need to see the football as well, don't we, to, rather than just free tickets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can talk about what was on Saturday and whatnot and the crowd attendance, but something I've noticed over here is if they're not playing good football or they're not winning, people just don't show up. And from what you saw in the 45 minutes in the first half, it was it was quite stale and boring, so something needed to change. They did come out in the second half and change things up a bit, um, but I still wasn't convinced to go out there and watch it. It wasn't very entertaining. It's a league-wide thing, though, isn't it, with yeah. the crowds at the moment? Uh, it's not Perth that's specific. We've, in previous weeks, we've actually bucked the trend of a yeah. lot of other clubs, and, and we've seen that with the growth of the membership, which is um, still on the, on the rise from what I understand. But it's a league-wide thing that essentially the league has become very, very stale. It's a stale product. Um, there's a lot of uh, incompetence and um, and baffling decisions still coming out of the league. You've got the problems with the Congress and that. It doesn't make it attractive for people to get get themselves up and up and about for the football, in my opinion. Now, we'll get onto some of those later on when we ha- we talk about the A League as a whole. But as as Donna said, in the second half it was a bit better. Something that I'm going to blow my own trumpet here. I suggested a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that Chris Harrell gets a shot up front, and that's exactly what happened in the second half as Kenny Lowe introduced uh, Andreu for Joe Knowles. Um, the goal itself, it, it arrived um, through pro- the most creative player in the park, and that was Diego Castro. But it was great work from Mitch Nichols in the build-up. Now, Nichols has been, has been, in my opinion, probably rightly um, derided for his performances so far, especially with so many players out injured. You need your experienced international players to come to the fore and to, to be a, an example to the younger players in the team and he hasn't really stepped up to do that but having said that he, he did great work for the goal. Yeah he did, he definitely stepped it up, I haven't been very impressed with him but um, he got the assist so put on. Yeah and Blaine. Um... <laughs> yeah I've been, a, I've been um, one that's been um, quite, I get quite bemused about um, uh, Mitch Nichols at times, um, and I was corrected in the weekend. Apparently, his GPS ratings is up there with some of the best in the team. So, but it, he generally looks in his demeanour um, and everything else like he just simply just doesn't want to be there on some days. But no, you've got to give him credit for getting that ball uh, into Castro, which was superbly taken and and popped it into to, um, found the right hand corner. So yeah, and the Knicks were without a few players. You have to. Have to point that out as well. They're missing Andrew Durante, um, Roy Krishna, Michael McGlinchey, and then Dario Vidisic went off with an injury uh, in the first half. So, Donna, they were a bit under strength as well. I guess you have to add that caveat when talking about Glory's clean sheet. But ultimately, the, they, they, they restricted the, the Knicks to half chances and they, they never really looked like scoring, did they? No, definitely not. Um, Apart in- from, sorry, when. Um, Clitorvish at the post. Oh, yes. The box, yeah. so Look, they are under strength, but it's, I don't think that's an excuse. Glory were missing how many of their starting 11, you could use that as well. They kept them quiet, but Wellington just aren't playing a very good brand of football at the moment, are they? So I, I never thought they were going to win. I thought they may come away with a point, but I never, ever thought that um, Wellington would come out on top. And of course, uh, Guy Finkler leaving yeah, abruptly. Yeah, that's a big uh, one as well. Yeah, no gee. Yeah, they're in a they're in a spot of bother, but we're not going to complain too much about it because obviously they're our arch rivals, and we really want to see them <laughs> struggle at the bottom of the ladder. So you know, it it, it puts the um, puts the record at one game apiece in the distance derby cup for this year. Although Glory still have a bit of goal difference to reel in after that five two hiding in Wellington, so it all comes down to the final meeting between the two sides later on in the season. Uh, there's coming up now. We've got two away fixtures before New Year. Um, Thursday night football. Whoever puts Glory away games on Thursday night really needs a good shoeing because 
it's a terrible time slot for it's a 4:50 p.m. kickoff. Okay, some people might have finished up for Christmas, but there's a lot of people still working right up this week. And 4:50 p.m. doesn't really do you too many favors if you want to get home to sit, put your feet up in front of the TV. Um, and the crowds in Brisbane haven't exactly been setting the world alight. So for them to come out at that hour on a Thursday is, is going to right before Christmas is happening a lot as well. Thoughts on the prospects for the game, Donna? There's news today that Glory may get a few players back. The likes of Andy Kyo has been training, and and Xavi Torres and Adam Taggart. I think it might be a bit soon to rush them back into the team. Do you think that the squad that played at the weekend is good enough to go to Brisbane and get a result? Um, yes and no. Brisbane weren't um, amazing against us just on the weekend, just yesterday. But I think you do need the likes of um, Taggart back. Um, he has been missing for quite some time. And I hear that um, I spoke to him on the weekend. He said he's almost there and he's been training. So rushing them back, yes, maybe not getting him to start immediately, maybe get him off the bench. But I don't think Italiano should be dropped. So I'm assuming that if those guys are back, he would be the one that would have to be dropped. Yeah. Do we know where Mitch Malia was at the weekend? No. Yeah. That was a strange. He wasn't on the bench. Um, it, gave a, it gave an opportunity to... Riley Warland to, to be on the bench, the 15-year-old, which is great for him and everything else. But, yeah, it just seemed a bit strange that Malia wasn't... He wasn't able to come on for uh, Chris Harold after 65 minutes again. Um, <laughs> Harold, Harold was still substituted, but uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't Malia who took his place this time. Just on um, Jacob Italiano there, Blaine, the story the last day or so about him heading to the Bundesliga in 2019. Borussia Gladbach is the club that's been mentioned. They will stay with glory. Uh, through this season and next until he turns 18. Um, do you think it's a good deal? We we've, we've have Danny De Silva experience here to call upon when we see a move like this. It, it's all roses when it's initially announced, but whether it actually works out and materialises for the kid, we obviously hope it does. But, uh, but at 18, is it the right go for him? Something I've actually thought about today when the article came up is that um, maybe... Is 18 a bit too early? Uh, I know it comes down to the individual, and as you said, we want these young guys to go and try and um, try themselves out at the at the best possible level. But um, uh, is, are they a bit raw um, in terms of um, just their, their their personal development, this and that, to go to a big club and and you know try and put up with the big boys away from home and everything else? And I think that's where a lot of young footballs probably come unstuck. It's got nothing to do with their skill or their drive. It's it's just the fact that they're just not ready to, to be away from the nest, so to speak, in a lot of cases. Um, but, yeah, good luck to him. And I think um, hopefully there's some um, some guys still around the squad for the next couple of seasons that can kind of prep him a little bit more and give him a little bit of an insight into what it's going to be like and he can go over there and, and give it a decent crack. Yeah, Donna, he's been, he's been good. And he's, irrespective of the injuries, I think he's earned a spot continuously Absolutely. in the team based on merit. You know, we're not... Age doesn't have to be a consideration if a player is playing really well, and, and we've seen him be a very good outlet on the wing um, for Glory. I guess it, it just poses the question, as, as Blaine and Blaine and both yourself alluded to, with regard to when these other more experienced players come back. Is it does Kenny Lowe feel like he has to shoehorn an international like Adam Tiger back into the team, or does does Andy Kell have to come back in as captain straight away? And is that the expense of a of a 16-year-old who's probably just grateful at this stage to be getting game time. He's the easier one to let down. Yeah, I, I, I would like to keep him... I'd like to see him stay in the starting 11. Um, as much as, you know, Andy brings to the pitch, you know, his his work rate is 
inevitable. He works very hard. He hasn't really impressed me, and I think Italiano's really earned his spot. I don't think he should just walk straight back into the team. I think um, Jacob should be given the chance to prove himself, to continue to prove himself. But just going on Blaine about uh, leaving at such a young age, at 18, from what I know um, in Germany, the Bundesliga, they have one of the best youth systems there. So I think it could work really positive for him. But also, it goes back to, you know, there was a lot of talk when Nikita left um, Goy when it was way too soon for him, and look what happened to him. Um, so there is pros and cons, but I do believe that uh, it's good for Goy to keep him till his 18th birthday, and then um, see what happens. If he comes back, he comes back, he could be another Danny De Silva, and look what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, Blaine mentioned there's two fixtures away to Brisbane, away to Sydney. Um, Laurie, you're in, you're in a final spot at the moment. What sort of points haul are you expecting or hoping for from those oh, two games? Geez, it's probably the two of the toughest road trips you could get for the glory. Our record at either spot is terrible um, over the years. Um, Brisbane, I can't remember the last time we won in Brisbane. It was possibly... Jamie Coyne was possibly around or even um, <laughs> even his brother when his, when his brother got that... Uh, uh, sneaky bump on the keeper to let one go in but yeah I can't remember the last time we won in Brisbane um, Sydney away speaks for itself um, what are they seven seven points clear now in the league um, you take two points from it two take, I'll, I'll take anything I, I'd say in those two trips at the moment um, even though I think, are struggling towards the bottom yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but we just don't seem to pick up any points, no matter how the roar are going in Brisbane. Um, I'm not sure if the heat and the humidity gets to us. I know it is a, it's the longest flight in the league, bar um, continuous flight with Wellington, which yeah. is a, with a stopover. stopover. So, um, yeah, I'm not too sure what it is. But um, oh, if we can come away with two points, I'll be very, very happy. And final, final question I'll, I'll, I'll just throw out to you before we, we move on. Um, there's a lot of talk about contracts coming up for uh, for renewal. We'll probably touch on that with, with Shane Larry. Um, it's easier to tell you who is contracted for next season than who isn't. It's pretty much only <laughs> Andy Kyo and Mitch Nichols that are inked for next year. Donna, in terms of fans and, and looking at the, out from the outside in, what, what sort of uncertainty does that give you as a supporter to know that there's a potential for... A, Glory have a big turnover generally in players. You're usually talking about 12 or 13 a year. Yep. There's upwards of 20 players here that could, could leave at the end of the season. What, what does that do for, be, for the fans? I'd be quite scared, to be honest. That's a huge list to say that only those two. And considering Nichols hasn't actually done anything spectacular, you'd say that Andy's the only one really contracted at the moment that deserves to have another year. Um, I would be very afraid of losing Alex Grant and Shane Lowry. They're my, my two biggest ones if you were to lose them. I would too. have those two and yeah. Brandon Wilson as Absolutely. my three to re-sign. And I think, uh, I think Wilson doesn't seem to be a favourite for whatever reason, but an under-20 international, I think you've got to keep those kind of guys. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think those three would be the three that you'd be most worried about. I remember actually questioning in the past why we get to a point where we have so many players all off contract at the same time, and apparently it's something to do with the rotation and the rolling of the salary cap. Right. So you get every two years, you virtually get um, a massive influx because that's only how far the money can go. Or well, I'm not sure the ins and outs, but it's to do down with the financials of the salary cap from what it's I think. I think it's large. It's a it's a wider issue in the league as well that there's a massive amount of players off contract this year. So we're going to have the merry-go-round, we're going to have the journeyman, we're going to have all those sort of things, the recycling. 
as uh, as as it's called every year. So I think a lot. Of, I, I would say a lot of the, there's going to be a lot of change again. Um, now, how of that squad? How many deserve to be kept? Is is it open to debate? But really, in terms of continuity and having um, having a, a spine of a team, you really can't afford to lose everybody. You know, at this stage. No, because it's going to take another year for you to totally rebuild it, I think. And then what you do is you get the excuse of, oh, we're in transition, yeah. which yeah. we seem yeah. to hear quite a lot. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. And then it's no pre-season because they haven't gelled together because players are coming in and out. If the A-League started it at Christmas, we'd be flying. But it takes the glory that long <laughs> to get into a rhythm. And to, it's you know, very so, true. So, yeah, year on year, they seem to go on a run around January, February, March and, and push and finish respectable and then that that that, uh, that that's meant to be okay but we would just like a year of consistency i think would be would be nice isn't that yeah no absolutely and it's I hard to do it every year turning over half your squad every year but anyway right we'll we'll see what happens when uh, negotiations can start in the next uh, next few weeks and hopefully there are some re-signings on the cards uh okay so that'll do us for part one up next we're going to speak to uh, shane larry and get his thoughts you're listening to the Far Post Perth. We'll be back after this. Okay, welcome back to the second part of the Far Post Perth podcast. I'm delighted to say we're joined by uh, Perth Lurie Central defender and current on-field captain Shane Larry. Shane, how are you feeling after the weekend? Yeah, yeah, good. Happy with the three points and the clean sheet. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a it's a good week, I guess, to have you on because you've you've been a bit of a frustrated figure. I think it's fair to say in the last few weeks with the way results have gone. But it must be a, not necessarily refreshing to get a, a win at home, but just a, maybe the start of something uh, heading into the Christmas period. Uh, yeah, I was happy with the the win against the Phoenix, but even the two weeks before that, we should never have lost the game against Newcastle. I thought we deserved a clean sheet then. I even thought we even deserved a nil nil against Central Coast. All right, we didn't like, you know, have posing much of an attack and threat, but I thought defensively we were very solid. I think the last three games has only been, I think, two or three shots on target in total. So that, that that's, that's a positive for ourselves to take into, you know, the next few games, considering the amount of injuries we've had going forward. And as you say, as a defender, it's it's obviously important to be keeping those clean sheets and to be reducing the amount of shots. That was probably one of the the issues you had towards the start of the season. What's been going on at training to work on that? Is it a bit more of a continuity in a black back line? I know you, Alex Grant was missing at the weekend, but you two seem to have forged a really strong partnership now that you're, you both had been over your injury worries. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I, I personally raised the, you know, highlighted it, saying that, you know, that we're, we're being way too leaky. There was too many opportunities for other teams getting chances against us. So I think we kind of tweaked it a bit and went a bit more pragmatic and disciplined with our shape. And I thought, you know, off the back of that, you know, we've, all right, we may have not played the most, you know, attack and flary football that you see usually from us going forward. But, you know, with our injuries as well and, the, you know, young lads into the team, I think it's been a good approach to take. And then, you know, obviously it, it instills a bit of discipline to the younger players to learn that side of the game as well, which I think is good. And how is the injury situation? We don't think we had anyone limp off of the weekend, which is a, which is a nice change. Um, but is, is it getting a few players back to train and makes a big difference, I'm sure, to the mood? Yeah, I think in the next week to 10 days, we'll have, you know, quite a lot of players back, so I've been told. But, uh, they, obviously they've been doing their rehab and trying to get us, you know, back fit as quick as possible. So, as I said, you know, it'll be good. It'll be good to have them, you know, we had Keo, Tags and Castro out all at the same time. You know, they, I don't know how many goals they scored between them last year, but, you know, that's, that's 90% of our goals. So it'll be good to welcome them back into the, into the squad. 
Is it tough now with a short turnaround going all the way to Brisbane for a game on Thursday night? Yeah, but you know it's it's kind of it's, it's tough for them as well because they have a day less recovery. You know they played yesterday against Victory, so it kind of evens itself out in that in that aspect. So, but you know we look we look forward to it. We go there with confidence, and uh, you know obviously we'll have to just be mindful with our training loads as well going into the game. Obviously with I know with the weather, I've actually never been to Brisbane and played there before, so I've been told that it's quite humid and and you know sweltering conditions. So you know I'll, I'll be excited to play in that. Yeah, Shane, Blaine uh, Treadgold here, mate. Um, yep. mate um, there's a, a lot of talk about yourself showing a fair bit of um, leadership at the back. Is something to captain the club like Perth Glory something that you, you think about or aspire to do uh, down the line? Uh, yeah, well, listen, it's been great that you know that I've stepped in. You know, there's you know Keo Keo got an injury, and I've you know I've stepped in to to do the job. But you know, it's 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 something. You know, it's a great honour to captain any football club. You know, it shows that the manager trusts you. And he believes in you and to give you that responsibility. But as I said, when Keo comes back in, I'll gladly hand it back over to him and then, you know, I'll, 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 I'll be vice captain. So, uh, yeah, but it's good being able to be seen as a leader on the pitch as well. Shane, just going um, on all those injuries, and obviously you've had the likes of Vitaliano step in, what are your thoughts and what's the hype around the club at the moment with um, Jacob playing at the moment? Uh, it's, it's good. You know, um, I've said before, it's good that young players get their opportunity especially in the A-League. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, I think as well, the media here in this country, I think younger players get hyped too early and it puts a lot of pressure on them. You know, they play two games and all of a sudden, you know, they, they should be in the Socceroos and all this sort of talk. I think, you know, they should just be left alone to concentrate and play on their games, uh, to concentrate and play their games and, you know, rack up as many appearances as they can. Listen to the older lads in the squad who have, you know, played hundreds of games and uh, just keep learning and, you know, be disciplined and listen to advice from all different people and just, you know, be humble and get your, get your head down and work hard all the time. Absolutely. And we're just um, on Twitter at the moment. We've got a couple of fan questions coming through. And one yep. of them is from Smash Tash. And she, right. wants to, yeah, she wants to know how you guys um, handle a loss when you know that refs have made such poor calls against the team. And is there any repercussions? Um, listen, if there's, if there's a mistake by an official, a glaring one, which, you know, we've lost the game, but obviously it's difficult to take, but, you know, we, that's kind of, you know, clutching at straws as well. That, that'll be sort of the last thing we look at, unless it's a blatantly bad decision, then obviously we get really angry about it, but you can't really dwell on it. You've got to just move on to the, to the next game because, you know, once a decision's made, they're not going to change their mind. So it's pointless arguing about it. So, but I know there's been a lot of talk. You know, good and bad about the VAR this season. So obviously that's why it's been trialled in this country first. And there's obviously people unhappy about it. And obviously we've had a few incidences in, in our games where it's been used good and bad for us. So I, I personally don't like it. But, you know, that's just my opinion on it. And uh, I'm sure everyone has their own opinion on it as well. Shane, just on, on the VAR, we, we see it as a fan perspective. Um, you know, we'll watch it on TV and it takes a couple of minutes. We had that incident with the, the penalty against Sydney FC and then there was the red card at, at Melbourne City. As a player, though, on the pitch, um, you know, do you feel that it takes away from the emotion as a player, whether that's celebrating a goal or winning a penalty, you know, that kind of thing, that, that, that sort of emotion as a player is something that you thrive on and yet it can be taken away from you while you're standing around waiting on a, a video referee? Yeah, you, listen, you want to see the right decisions made, but I think there's the, the whole thing of how long a decision's been taken, you know, to, to, to make a decision, some two or three minutes. I think there was one 
against Melbourne City, where we, when we played Melbourne City, it took ages to get to the, the right decision, which was a penalty, and in my opinion, but we were standing around for about two and a half, three minutes, and it just stops the flow of the game. Um, and, you know, there's other, you know, I watched the game, I think it was Melbourne City against Sydney, you know, I've seen Musket got a red card, but then obviously Bobo's incident where he kind of kicked out at a player, which is caught, seen on camera, it was seen as, you know, in inverted commas, a grey area. So it's these type of incidents, which I think the fans... Aren't, aren't aren't happy with so, but yeah. So I, I personally not a fan of it. I, I'd rather not have it in the game, but that's just my own personal opinion on it. Yeah, Shane. Just another quick one off uh, Twitter, mate. Bit of a funny one for you. A certain Angus Grant has asked, "Why are you so boring on Twitter?" <laughs> he has to he has to understand that if I if I tweet certain things, I can get fined by the by the club and by the FFA. So you know, sometimes you just got to say the. Even though you want to say other things on there, you got to put word it in the right way because obviously there's, you know, young kids in that 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 look at my Twitter and you have to be seen as a role model. So I'm sure yeah. he's, I'm sure he's being very tongue in cheek with that, mate. So yes, he is. Of course, he is. <laughs> um, just another one, Shane. Yeah. Off topic of the glory, it's actually a Socceroos question from someone, and right. I want to know what your thoughts are on the draw that we've got and. And how do you think we'll come out out of the group against France, Peru, and Denmark? Um, I think it's, it's well, it's always a, you know World Cup's always difficult. Um, it's all going to depend on the manager who they, who they appoint. To be honest with you, because someone might come in and have a completely different style of how they want to set the team up. So it's it's quite hard to say. It's a bit it's a bit of an unknown at the moment. But uh, I think we do have the you know the, the players there, the quality on our day. We can you know beat anyone, and it's you know it's a knockout sort of stage. So. It'll be interesting to see how we do, and obviously I'll be, you know, a vivid supporter of them, and hopefully we do really well. So, but yeah, it should be an interesting one. Obviously, the France game is going to everyone will be saying France will be favourites. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see with the other games how it comes out. Just a couple more quick ones before you let you, we let you go. Um, we saw last yeah. week uh, your, your own uh, future at Glory, the contract talks. There's a lot of players that are out of contract uh, this coming season. Um, it's an uncertain period for a lot of players, you know, wondering did I have to move on, move city, whatnot. You, you've said that you'd like to stay at Perth. Um, uh-huh. is, is, is Perth where you see your long-term future as, as a player, or is it, is it too hard to say that in a league where you, you, know, you only usually get maybe two-year contracts? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, every club I've been at, I've said, you know, I'll, I'll be here, you know, possibly long-term, but I, I think in the last four or five, four years, I've moved four or five times, so it's it's really difficult to kind of say, you know, obviously I'm, I'm quite settled in Perth, I'm from Perth, my family, I've got a little girl here, so I'm, you know, the lifestyle's great, you know, I'm enjoying my football at the minute, and my form's quite good at the minute, so... Yeah, but it's you know you know it's a bit of a cliche, but anything can happen in football. Do you know what I mean? Things happen, injuries to players, you know, other teams come in for you. But you know, it's it's a difficult one, especially in the A League, because I read a, I read a stat that the other day. I think sixty five percent of the players are out of contract. So that's just that's just crazy. That needs to be sorted out because it just it causes anxiety for players as well, especially if you've got you know in a salary cap environment and you've got mortgages to pay, school fees for kids. You know, you're settled in a city. I think. I think it needs to be addressed, so that's obviously something for the FFA to do, not me. <laughs> well, I think it's fair to say most Glory fans, based on your performances this season, will be hoping that uh, the club get it sorted and you're here for a while longer. Just a last one before you go. Um, I saw a rumour that Diego Castro donated his $500 from Man of the Match at the weekend for the Christmas party. Are you able to tell us what you've got planned? Um, I think we just we got. I think we got a day out somewhere. I'm not sure where it is yet. You know, I don't want to reveal too much, but yeah, I kind of just 
kind of threw Diego under the bus there, saying he'd give the five hundred <laughs> bucks. You know, any anything to the fines, kitty is good. You know, I'm I'm horrendous for getting fined all the time. I'm always forgetting, you know, to wear my flip flops in the shower and stuff like that. So, you know, it'd be good to sting Diego since he's been back in the team and uh, you know getting his first. I think it's his first goal of the season from from right. Yeah. So I think I think it'd be good on him to uh, donate it to the fines, kitty. But we'll see. Well, hopefully, yeah, uh, he's got a few more uh, five hundred dollar donations to put in for the rest of the season. Uh, Shane, Larry, exactly. thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate that. Good luck for Thursday, and maybe we'll see you before the end of the season. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Far Post Perth. We'll be back after this. We're back for the final part of the Far Post Perth podcast. Uh, it's on to A-League, general A-League. It was games of the weekend. There was a lot of controversy at the weekend. The only game that didn't have VAR controversy was the Glory and Wellington game, and it was probably the game that needed it most. We had uh, go through the results for Sydney FC, 3-1 winners over Melbourne City. Newcastle Jets beat Adelaide 2-1. Central Coast Mariners uh, lost at home to Northwestern Sydney. And Brisbane Roar went down at home to Melbourne Victory 2-1 on uh, Sunday. So the, uh, there was a lot of contentious decisions. I'll try to pick out the most contentious first. Um, for me, the biggest one was the penalty decision, Adelaide United against Newcastle Jets playing. Oh. It was a, a ball was struck at a defender. It deflected off him and hit another defender in the shoulder and it was given as a penalty. Newcastle scored, won the game 2-1, ran home with three points. I couldn't believe that it was given a penalty, given the player's arm was in a completely natural position and it struck him basically in the, in the shoulder. Yeah, no, I, I actually saw that on replay myself, and I was, I was a bit like you, I was baffled as how that could be given a given a pen. It was um... considering it deflected off one defender onto another defender. How do you give that? Like, and, the ball, and it was the ball in the wasn't last... going into the goal, no. So it wasn't as if he, you know, it was wasn't impeding play. The line. It wasn't anything like that. It was. Yeah, he, he couldn't do anything about it from two yards away and it struck him on the shoulder. Unless he chops so. his arm off and tries to avoid it, there was no other way that he was going to avoid that hitting him. No. Um, and that was a very harsh ball because it was in the last mm. few minutes where Jets ran away with it. So so here's the thing, right? Yeah. We've, said, we've said before on this, and my opinion is goal line technology, great because it's cut and dry. It's, uh, it did the ball cross the line or did not cross Absolutely. the line. Absolutely. Great, perfect. The issue with the VAR for me is that you've got the people reviewing the footage are some of the people who we complained were incompetent on the pitch for the last four or five years. They're now the ones in the booth making the decision. Why do we suddenly think that they can be competent now? Because they're sitting behind a screen, yeah. I absolutely agree. It's just another human making another human decision. Correct. And, and <laughs> humans do make errors, and that's perfectly fine. But the idea of this is it's not to re-referee the game. It's, you know, it should be used for cut-and-dry stuff. Uh, we've, we heard from Shane Larry. He doesn't like that as a player because it's open to interpretation, and that's completely my stance. Goal line technology is great. I'd have goal line. Te- I'd have line technology. Did the ball go for a throw in? The ball beeps. Did it go for a goal kick? The ball beeps. There's a, there's a, a transmitter yeah. in it that gives the referee a signal. Are we going back to Star Wars right now? Or? Yeah, I, I wouldn't know where to start with Star Wars. <laughs> but if the ball goes out of play, you can't debate that it went out. You know? Absolutely. It, whereas yeah. did did a guy mean to handle the ball well? It's it's interpretation, but. People are more forgiving if the referee makes a wrong decision in the moment than some guy upstairs with the benefit of replays and still making the wrong decision, as will happen in this instance. Are we all, we're all agreed on that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the yeah. head of um, the FFA came out and said that there's a lot of mistakes happening and whatnot, but... 
But that doesn't, do, that doesn't just, do anything for us now. Exactly. Though, when games are getting ruined. Exactly. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to go over the top and say it's the death of Australian football and no, it's going to make me stop dramatic. watching. I'll <laughs> still watch every A League game I possibly can, which is usually the, at least part of the five games every week. Um, yeah. And it, it's not going to make me turn off from football. It's just going to give me a lot to talk shit about on Twitter, to be honest. It's been, been the dominant topic. If it's not salary cap, if it's yep. not something, if it's not Congress, we always seem to have a, have issues here that we can we can get worked up about. And, and this is the latest one, and I think it's going to be around for a while because we're in this trial that's going to last the season. So, um, the next one we'll go on to um, is the uh, Sydney FC and Melbourne City game. So we had the goal. Luke Bratton's goal was correctly allowed, and everyone said, "Yeah, you go VAR." But we didn't need VAR for that. Goal line technology would have done that. So. Is it really a is it really a win for VAR when they get something right? Well, maybe not. Then we had Manny Muscat correctly sent off. I didn't see it, mate. Unfortunately, Donna. I didn't see it either. Wow. Okay, well, we're on my opinion. Manny Muscat was correctly <laughs> sent off for an elbow. However, the issue was a few minutes earlier. Bobo was uh, raked his studs down uh, Manny Muscat's shin off yes, the ball. Yes, I saw that. You saw that. That yeah. was uh, that was on camera. There was footage yeah. of it. But he was uh, let off. He was let off at, at, on the day. Now, we all thought it was going to be cited by the match review panel. They'd go and have a look at it, like Borussia was a few weeks ago. He'd get a couple of games banned. Muscat got, Manny Muscat got a two-game ban for his indiscretion. Give Bobo the same. Absolutely. Job done. Now, apparently, because it was viewed at the time by the VAR, and the VAR said, no, that's deemed as it being dealt with, so the match review panel won't touch it. Now, I don't understand how the match review panel can adjudicate when a referee hasn't seen something, but when a video assistant referee hasn't seen something, they then just go, oh, they're in the moment, they got it right. So we think Bobo should have suspended? Absolutely. Two weeks. Yeah. Okay, so there's another black mark against the VAR. The next one, we had the two Mariners red cards uh, in their loss to Western Sydney Wanderers. Paul O'Con's post-match rant, which the Mariners, to their credit, have said they'd take the bullet for him and cop a fine for, uh, for what he said. And he said that if, if people have fallen out and love with the game um, tonight uh, at the time and walked away from it, he wouldn't blame them. Now, I'm not one that would ever leave a stadium because a referee's made a bad decision. I think that's a little bit melodramatic, but that's up to every paying customer to vote with their feet if they decide that they're, they're going to leave. Um, did we see the tackles? Did, did we see the challenges? Yes, yeah, so I saw the first one yeah. and the studs were showing. I thought that was fine. So as a red I thought card. that that's a red card. So I'm not sure what was so dramatic no, about them while they're up and arms. Red. Yeah, um, the Jake McGing one though, where he came in from the side and caught him a bit late. Now we did see um, similar instances in the Premier League at the weekend with uh, Deli Ali and Harry Kane on um, Raheem Sterling and, and Kevin De Bruyne, and both walked away with a yellow card. Yes. And that was initially what was given to McGinn, but the uh, the VAR the, uh, had, a, had a quick call down and they reviewed it and they gave McGinn a straight red. Now, I, I thought I thought it was an orange tackle, if that makes sense, uh, somewhere in between a yellow and a red you've seen them given. But the referee gave it as a yellow card. I, I just didn't think there was enough in it to overrule his initial yellow card. No, I, d I didn't think it was malicious either. If it was a malicious tackle and he was going in for it maliciously, then they could come back and say, Yeah, he was just Look. late. Yeah, he was just late. Studs were slightly showing. I'd probably give him a yellow card and a caution, and then if it happened again, see you later. I don't think the VAR needed to intervene at that stage. I think the ref had the right call. That I can understand Ocon going crazy about. The first one, I can't. Studs were fully showing it was a red card. So that's where the problem lies for me, and we've seen it in other sports, is that the 
the referee has seen the incident. He's dealt with the incident. So therefore, the VAR is undermining one of their own in the referee in changing that decision That's and upgrading right. essentially what yeah, they've done. The, the referee's made a decision and, and it's, it's a case of re It wasn't the fact that he missed it all con- no. altogether no, in the VAR. if he had missed it, it yeah. then I can understand. Yeah. 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 He's given a yellow card and he's been told to look at it again because someone upstairs maybe has interpreted it differently. What happens if he gives a red card and the guy upstairs thinks it's a yellow? Well, does the guy come back out of the tunnel, does he? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what, what this, does happen in the Bundesliga. Where does instance. it stop? I think, I yeah. think a similar incident happened in the Bundesliga. That's why I mentioned it at the weekend where a red card was given oh, yeah. and a, uh, it was changed to a yellow and he had to come back out. So they're the sort of farcical scenes you could see through this. So it, it's, a, it's a complete, it's a can of worms. Um, the other one, uh, I didn't see this one because I only saw bits of the game yesterday, but Donna Besser Parish had a goal chopped off. Another one. <laughs> For an offside. The rule for offside. What was the goal with that? It was it was very close to rule it offside. I I thought it was offside. I said it was, uh, but then I watched the replay and he. I, I don't know how they got that. Um, and that's the second time that's happened to him. So I can see why he'd be really frustrated, uh, because the first time it happened, it wasn't offside. Was it? Was that the one for three one? And was, then it got disallowed. Yes. That was handball. It's happened twice. It's, it's like been disallowed. Twice. That, was, that got given for a handball though. I'm sure it did. No. The one that went three one, the one where it, bent, it kind of bounced off the, the defender, came down, and then he knocked it forward. That was a, that was given. For no, 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 not that one. He oh, got okay. caught. He's had two offside decisions sure, against sure. him, um, and the first one definitely was not offside. This one, you could say it was, but isn't it? They say isn't the rule you give if you can't actually tell if it's that slight you. The You're meant to give to the striker. Benefit the attacker. The, yeah. The rule is any body part that can play. That can, like, that can score a goal. So it can't be, if your arm is in an offside position, you're onside. If your toe is in an offside position, you're offside. Yeah. So it, it's it, a body part that can play the, play the um, ball. But if there's no, they used to use daylight, which was what, what sort of measurement is daylight. So they scrapped <laughs> that wording and it's now benefit of doubt to the yeah. attacker. So, okay. Yeah, but, but the problem is the benefit of doubt to the attacker becomes lesser when you can review it. It was a quick so, review. I must give them that. Yeah. It was... Bang on, like it was within seconds that went in, yeah, celebrate, bang, not nah, done. It was over within a minute. It was great once again seeing him lose his shit. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> he was going on. I think his uh, complaining was longer than the VIR decision. So it was very quick in that instance, but again, yeah, very great area. All right, well, the fixtures for this weekend, we've got Brisbane Roar House and Perglory on Thursday night, which we mentioned about earlier, mentioned earlier on. Newcastle Jets against Western Sydney Wanderers. Wellington Phoenix. Host Sydney FC. Donna, you're going to be in Melbourne. Melbourne I'm at City the Melbourne Derby. Melbourne Victory. And then the Blockbuster Saturday night is that one. And then Adelaide United and the Central Coast Mariners. Just looking at the table, Sydney FC lead the way. Five points clear at the top. They're, they're storming it. They've won their, their last five on the, on the spin. Uh, the Newcastle Jets are in second. They're four points clear at third spot. So there's nine points between first and third, which is a huge, huge gap with just 11 games gone. Uh, Melbourne City third. Adelaide fourth. Victory Getting nosebleeds there, up in fifth on it. Fine. Perglory in the sixth. Perglory have lost the joint most amount of games so far this season. They've lost six and they're in the finals. So is that an indictment on the league or is it just the fact that they haven't drawn many? It's a bit of column A, a bit of column B for me. Um, Central Coast Mariners slip out of the uh, the sixth into seventh. Western Sydney Wanderers, followed by Brisbane, followed by the Wellington Spooners at the moment. 
Uh, they're just on six points from ten games. Um, so the, the Wanderers and the Phoenix obviously have a game in hand um, because they're uh, round three back then maybe was postponed because of so pitch. was the pitch was yeah. spotless wasn't, yeah. wasn't spotless so yeah they, um, so they had to they, so that's been them. rescheduled so that's where we're at at the table at the moment um it, one thing that really stands out for me is that only three teams have a positive goal difference so far and one of those teams is plus one which is melbourne city so if for example if if if, uh, if victory if, if victory beat melbourne city 1-0 at the weekend, Melbourne City would go down to a zero goal difference. So you'd only have Sydney FC and the Newcastle Jets with positive goal difference after <laughs> at this stage of the season, which is quite interesting. Thanks. Yeah, no, uh, it's, um, it's a weird one and it's really hard to read. Do you read whether just no one's scoring goals or are you reading that the defences of each side are getting goals? better or... Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to read that. Well, I know in our instance, uh, we're just not scoring them. <laughs> <laughs> no, victory have got well victory have got fifteen. They've got thirty uh, fourth highest scores. Um, yeah, well so we should have had at least five yesterday, so Yeah, but um but it's it's Sydney running away with it at the moment with twenty three goals for a nine against. So um Newcastle Jets are still the top scorers with twenty five. Um interestingly the Wellington Phoenix have uh, have scored fourteen and five of them came in the one game against Glory on the uh, first <laughs> just the start again, just throwing that out there. Uh okay, so that's basically where we're at now. Um, this is our last podcast for 2017 because people are going on holidays. Yes. Stuff. Correct. Merry Christmas to all our followers. Yeah, absolutely. And listeners and have a yeah. safe new year. Enjoy it. Hopefully the weather clears up for everyone. I'll yes. be in sunny Melbourne where we get four seasons in one day. It's supposed I'll to be, be 34, I think, here for Christmas Day. Awesome. So it should be a Good. decent hot one. Yeah. Cool. So we're going from winter to summer. Yeah. Yeah. Flip, flick of a switch. Okay, well, um, yeah, the first Perk Glory game after uh, the New Year is the 5th of January at home to Adelaide United. It's a Friday night, as mentioned earlier on. It's Kids Go Free, so which is a good initiative, and we need more of that during the uh, during the holidays, so hopefully there's a good crowd in there. Um, so thanks to Don and Blaine for the chat. Uh, the podcast is available to download from Wushka and iTunes. With thanks to the Daily Football Show. We're all over the social media these days. We're on Twitter at Farpost Perth. Facebook and Instagram are also far post Perth, and you can you can find us just with a quick search. And as I said, we'll be back in the new year to talk about the A League and everything else that's gone in between. The transfer window will be open, so um, those those signings we've been promised by the Perth Glory hierarchy may start to materialise. It'll be all fun and games in this part of the world. So until then, enjoy your football, enjoy your Christmas, and happy New Year. Uh, 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 uh,